0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad.
1: Because it's getting ready to be on. I
0: want my
2: whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of Psychopath. That I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report
1: with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder
2: Drew Gear. He likes to get in ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger, my rollerblading blonde Mohawk
1: producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about.
2: Everybody to another edition of the Rock Power Report podcast. I'm your host Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer Chris Kruger. And tonight we're talking about market disruption. We're talking about market disruption. We're going to talk about market influence and factors when it uh, in particular as it, as it pertains to the guy we spent last week. Chris, what about an hour applauding? Mr. Brandon Bean? Yeah. And some of the personal markets for some of our players that have been disrupted by the fact that our GM is, in fact, a contractual gangster. Chris, this idea came to me as I was perusing, you know, obviously, uh, Awful Announcing and, um, what's it, uh, football? What is it? No, no. What's the, what are the publications that cover sports business? Like sports media business? What are some of the best outlets out there?
1: Uh, Outkick, awful announcing, and then as far as like podcast forms, you have SI Media with Jimmy Traina, and then Sports Media with Richard Deich, who used to do the Sports Illustrated podcast, but now it's done by Jimmy Traina. I listen to those as often as I can when they have like act like Jimmy Train will will get Aikman, Buck, Nance. All of the top guys on Mm -hmm. to discuss like broadcasting stuff and that type of changeover, which is it's a good listen if for those that are interested in that stuff. But I generally I stick to outkick and then awful announcing second to find out sports media business.
2: Well, and it's funny, right? Because there's there's not everyone's dorks like us. They don't care about the inside baseball. They just want to hear somebody talk about the things that they're interested in. I mean, hell, that's why podcasts exist. That's why you're all here listening to this nonsense right now is because you found two idiots who are, who make you laugh once in a while and they talk about a topic you're interested in. And it's, but like there's a lot of inside baseball for those of you who actually care about the kind of thing that we could talk about. We choose not to bore you with it, but it is interesting when you see it playing out on a national stage and when, you know, when things blow up, Chris, is usually when these things become interesting. Now, when I walked through the door; I had a topic in mind. You hit me with one that I think kind of leads right into it.
1: It is the TSN 1260 shutdown in Canada.
2: Now, tell me, you know, first of all, guys, just so you understand, hockey religion in Canada—it's not that far of a like. It's not that far of a walk to get to the idea that like, if you primarily cover hockey in Canada by default, your services are in demand.
1: Who is the best NHL player? Please tell me now. Connor McDavid. And where does he play? Edmonton. Exactly. So imagine listening to, this was like two days ago. So imagine, what are we, Thursday? Imagine the morning of Game 5, Stanley Cup Final. You're in Edmonton. You're listening to TSN 1216 Edmonton. And you're going to come into the final hour of the morning show because generally morning show is six to six to 10 Eastern. Come in for the final hour, station goes dark. <laughs> That's exactly what happened in Edmonton. So I don't know how you, as a host, knowing that okay, station shut down at this time, how you just casually end the hour, uh, you know, well, you know, we'll come back. Top of nine o'clock hour and discuss, uh, Matthew Kachuk. Will he play? Will he not play? And then it's, it's, it's just a pre recorded playing. This station no longer exists.
2: They did it,
1: they did it a couple years ago with, uh, other TSN stations. And then on top of that, they canceled Leaf's Lunch, which is on, I think, 12 to 2 or was on 12 to 2 on TSN 1050 in Toronto. So you have a, a, you have a show dedicated to the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are like if you if you were going to compare the Maple Leafs to a football team, the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, it, it Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees, uh, L.A. Lakers, Boston Celtics. They are the blue bloods. The, they're the King Daddy Topper of the NHL and Toronto. And Leafs Lunch was on for twelve years, and then they just up and canceled it.
2: One day, it just you went there on your lunch. You go, okay, I'm gonna go find out uh, who's our new head coach gonna be. What's the new? What's the direction they're gonna do? at GM.
1: Yeah, they got a new GM, Brad Treleving who was in Calgary. So now it's okay, new GM. What are we gonna do with our coach? You'd want to know about all that. So you go to tune in, and it's
2: nothing but like infomercials.
1: <laughs> yeah, or a different a different show
2: here locally. Uh, what Star 102.5? 102.5. Star 102.5. I don't know what it was before it was Star. I know it was something. I don't think it was WJYE, but I know, which which was the one we joked about, Kevin Masari spinning the smooth jazz hits a week or two ago.
1: On that, when I worked in radio for Clear Channel Communications, we had, I want to say like five stations, and we had 94.9 Light FM playing the hits, playing Delilah. I remember I was doing a hit with Randy and Spiff who were
2: those are radio names
1: yes Ran- <laughs> Randy, Randy and Spiff Randy and Spiff on 949 Light FM we were out at Stone Mountain and not a whole lot of traction to where we were i mean like Light FM like Light FM was like your Rod Stewart like your uh what did, what did yacht rock Type yeah, hang
2: on. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! After a few of these guys, a few glasses of brown here, yacht rock is pretty, pretty, pretty good. I remember talking Out to. Thunder, Riley, <laughs> we get it. Den- den-
1: I remember talking to Randy and Spiff at Stone Mountain, and they were talking to me like unsure of the future of <laughs> Light FM, <laughs> and I want to say within the next two months that station went dark for country and they fired everybody and got in new DJs.
2: I always wonder like how it works. I've been a part of some really fucked up firings. Like when I was working in collections, I started for this small agency that a buddy of mine had left our company to work for. I started working there and I worked there for maybe four months, five months, easily kind of quickly became one of their more consistent deck collectors. And then there came a day. Now, Chris, you had to think about this. It's a big, wide-open... They went from a really small office to a really big office in the same building. They moved into a new office space, big, wide-open floor so they could hire more people. There's maybe, I'd want to say, 80 people now working in the collection staff. It's like a Thursday afternoon, and they kind of like, okay, hey, everybody, hey, hang up the phones. Everyone hangs up, and they go kind of you 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 and you in the office right now and i'm thinking to myself what the fuck did i do and then i'm looking at the people who are getting up and walking into the like the big office that like chris there's like a glass door but there's like a glass wall but it's a two-way mirror (laughs) So, so they can watch you from inside this like really nice office and you can't see them and so we get taken into this room and i'm looking around going these are your best collectors what are you gonna fire all of us fuck you guys you'll go under we're sitting there and we're sitting there and no one's talking. And all of a sudden, the one guy kind of speaks up. and goes, all right, this is awkward. I don't know how else to say this. He goes, right now, everyone else not in this room is being fired. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? He goes, oh, yeah, no, they're all being told that they're let go effective immediately and to pack their desks. We have boxes and everything stacked up waiting for them. We're going to give them about 45 minutes to clear out of here. It's like what? What? So now we're just sitting here. It's like, what do you make small talk about, Chris, for 45 minutes? Well, you know that 70 people just got axed.
1: I would expect it to be like the scene in Black Sheep where Chris Farley gets fired, collects his things, and then the building starts on fire. That's how I would like to picture it. So the the here's the kicker.
2: They let us out of the room, and I'm joking with my buddy who got me the job there, and he's like, hey better than us you know at least those poor bastards at least we're not part of that group and all of a sudden the one guy goes hey uh why don't you hang back for a second talking to my buddy imagine how tone deaf you have to be to fire a whole room full of people and save one guy just so you can fire him individually 20
1: minutes later It's got to be the worst. (laughs) (laughs) That's got
2: to be. And I guess the rationale was, well, we like you, and we wanted this to be a more personable firing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Part of my... uh, This is what happens in business, Chris. It's terrible. It's never executed well. Part of my podcast playlist for work consists of listening to Overdrive on TSN 1050 out of Toronto, which that show's still going. But they did have on the new Calgary Flames head coach, uh, Ryan Huska, on Monday. And these either Monday or Tuesday. And then they were talking about old times playing junior hockey. And then they mentioned one of his teammates, Jason Strudwick, who worked at TSN 1260 in Edmonton. And then they were like, oh, yeah, let's get uh, Strudwick on for tomorrow. Somebody make that happen. Call Struddy. Get him on. Nope. Next day, he's fired. So he doesn't get on the air.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what we're trying to paint for you guys is a picture of, like, things happen quickly. And that seems to be what's happening over at The Athletic, although everyone could have seen it coming. I mean, during one of our recent After Dark segments, Chris, we sat here and discussed the changing face of mainstream media.
1: I got t- a lot of hit because of the thumbnail i made yes it did we're actually it's weird guys
2: i don't know how to explain this again we like to break down the fourth wall you guys are great those of you who subscribe to our youtube channel watch our videos that's fun we appreciate you what's fucking weird is that the our shows like our podcasts that we do and put on there in video form now that we have now that we've got to we punch it up a little bit visually and we do these things those After Dark's YouTube exclusive videos are doing like what four or five times the number of subscribers we currently have. Yes, it's fucking crazy. It's I, I don't I can't explain it. It's and I'm and I'm not going to rock the boat, Chris. Whatever idiocy you have or whatever, you're like that guy who's deaf but can play the piano. Like what's that called? The what was that movie? The pianist? Maybe.
1: I have no idea.
2: I have no idea. You're the guy with no people skills, and yet somehow you've learned how to touch people. Like, elicited response, I don't get it. But so we talked about mainstream media and the ESPN layoffs and FS1 laying off losing talent due to budget cuts and financial constraints. The athletic has been kind of a topic that me and my friends have been talking about for a long time. This idea, you know, Ryan Lasel from Rock Sports and some of my other friends who work in content – the model of the athletic couldn't have been viable long term, right, Chris? Yep. I mean, essentially they, think about when they came up in 2016. Newspapers was, were starting to rapidly shrink. There was a lot of papers dying, laying off staff. The Buffalo News is one of them. And you look at the people who work for the athletic for the Bills now. Joe Bascalia, Tim, well, Tim Graham covers all things Buffalo, but they scooped up a lot of really talented people who were working for outlets that didn't have a lot of long-term viability. They did that by paying them a fuck ton of money using venture capitalist money and with projections that the paper wouldn't, or like the outlet itself, the athletic, wouldn't actually be profitable until 2023. So the losses they were incurring were just considered part of doing business. The model was flawed though, right? Because they turn around and they sell to the New York Times. I think the guy who sold it, I think the New York Times bought it for like what, like $500 million? I'll give it a goog. Give it a goog. The New York Times was thinking, I can buy low and then cash in right when this outlet is about to hit its profitability window. Yeah, $550 million all cash deal. That's fucking wild for an outlet that was losing money year over year, but kept telling everyone it was by design. Well, it's part of the projection. They got $550 million for not making money. And then the New York times brought them in. They they, they go, well, we've got this earning potential. Well, New York's New York times stock price dipped uh, during Q1 this year, 2023. Uh, when they found out that the projections from the athletic were wrong and that the profitability curve was still a lot farther out ahead of them, that projected growth that they previously forecasted, they weren't actually going to realize it anytime soon, even though their subscribers doubled in the time that they purchased it. 3.7 million people, Chris, and you're not turning a profit. How many more people give a fuck about sports? That video, what was the, what was the team? Remember when the schedule release came out and that one football team did the video of just grabbing random people? Was it Nashville? Did grabbed random people and had them like?
1: Yeah, the Titans went around Nashville and
2: and had random people on the street point like name the team they thought the logo belonged to. Yeah, look how many people don't give a fuck about sports. There's a lot of them. So you've got 3.7 million readers and you still have operational losses of 43 million dollars. That that's bad business, Chris. Do you want to know how they grew those 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 subscribers? I just bought an entire year's subscription with zero obligation, zero. I paid for it in lump sum for about fourteen dollars. I can't even buy a like right now. I'm drinking. I'm sipping on some uh, Blue Note Crossroads, right?
1: Are you lying? I thought that was the gentleman.
2: No, no. I brought the gentleman in, but I did steal some Crossroads from you. All right. (laughs) Chris is like, I'm mildly annoyed by that. Oh, yeah, because I got to go to Rochester to get it. (laughs) Why do you think I'm stealing it from you? Because I'm too lazy to go to Rochester to get it. (laughs) So with that said, I can't buy a glass of Crossroads bourbon for $15. But you're going to give me one whole year of your sports media for $15. Like that's why you saw an uptick in readership? That doesn't make you profitable, does it, Chris?
1: Doesn't sound like it. I don't have the athletic.
2: Like th- th- you can't make a profit when the only way to get me to sign up is to charge me literally nothing. They've they've become the serious radio, the serious XM of fucking sports journalism. And so now this week they announced that there's layoffs a round of surprise layoffs i think it was like 4 or 5% of the overall staff and it's it's coming amid talk of a significant reorganization i put that in quotes cutting major league baseball and nhl beats saying no one's reading these things and they're not the, the they're not the mainstream things that everybody cares about cuz they've forgotten the fact that that's what made the athletic popular when it started the athletic was born out of this idea that We can't compete with mainstream media. So instead, what we'll do is we'll cover the shit that nobody else is and we'll do it so in depth that people will be interested. It's niche, but it can work. Like small underserved markets are what built this thing. And now they're saying they don't want that anymore because it's not profitable. No shit. It was never going to be profitable. What do you think happens to this outlet long term?
1: I I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, I don't pay for subscription stuff when it comes to reading and or listening. Although if I ever, it rarely happens, but if I'm like renting a car and it's got serious, <laughs> I'm all pumped up because I'll get to listen to Mad Dog. And that's about it. Or if I have to take Jessica's car, Jessica has serious in her Jeep. I'll put on, I'll put on that. But I, I don't pay for subscription stuff. I don't.
2: It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because they're, they're going to continue to face pressure from new ownership of the new, the ownership of the New York Times to turn a profit sooner because they're, like, like I said, their stock is now taking a hit because of this investment, and the fact that it the projections aren't lining up. It looks like a bad deal. The reason I talk about all this is because the articles that I found there this week, just kind of in an effort to, cause I saw this and I go, Oh shit. Well, let me see. Did Joe B get cut? Thank God. He's still around. Tim Graham's still around. But while I'm perusing this, the articles within the athletic are kind of where I found the theme for a couple of our shows, not just tonight, but that are going to be coming down the pipeline. Um, I guess I'll start with this, Chris. First of all, like, you go to the Athletic, one of the photos, it's right here, they, they were talking about Trent Sherfield. I'll say this. Um, remember how they talked about Trent Sherfield being a really good run blocker?
1: Heard about it.
2: Okay. I'm going to show you a photo.
1: Oh, you should have emailed it to me. Mm-hmm. So that way I can see it on my screen. And you don't have to turn your laptop... And the, look like for, a fucking idiot for, on camera.
2: For those of you who are, for, for those of you who are on YouTube, you can probably see this image now. It's in front of you. Chris, I want you to take a look at this. This is one of our defensive backs lining up against Trent Sherfield at OTAs. Look at the quads on that motherfucker compared to that cornerback across from him. His legs are like fucking tree trunks. He, that guy being your gunner and an auxiliary wide receiver, like, that's terrifying. When people go, oh, he's a great run blocker. No shit. <laughs> he's, he's built like a running back from the waist down. That's terrifying. If I'm a 197 pound defensive back, I definitely don't want to try to block that guy in a running play. Yeah. Like, it's just interesting. I see this picture and I go, oh shit, whoever caught that angle, good on you. Cause now it makes more sense. Also, we teased this in our last pod. For as agnostic as you know, Iman and I may be about off-season bluster, there's an interesting trend that I wasn't even really aware of. Was a trend? I didn't. I didn't know that it existed at all. It, it kind of gets, ex- and it kind of gets magnified in the wake of the Leonard Floyd trade, their signing that we were talking about. Joe Bascalia has an article right now at the Athletic talking about this idea that there are. Trades coming Like potential trades for the Buffalo Bills This offseason And I'm like okay that just seems like yeah, you know, It's kind of like when uh, Jay Skursky blocked us at the Buffalo News Oh yeah Because I criticized his article about camp cuts
1: Guy's a fucking idiot
2: So when I <laughs> I wouldn't go that far What I'll say is he's Dumb <laughs> No what I would say is he's sensitive Stupid. He's sensitive and he, he has Left ten- wing <laughs> I don't think that has anything to do with it, Chris. I just think that he's sensitive about his craft. He's probably used to people who are just vicious for no reason attacking his work. And I think he's a little overreactionary. That said, I've never met the guy. I'd sit down and have a beer with him. But he blocked us as soon as we criticized the way he wrote his article and then went and fixed it to reflect sort of the thing I was talking about, which means he knows I was right. So I feel like I won. But either way. 10 players he thinks could get traded. And one of the things I learned from that article is that outside of the 2020 COVID year, remember they were like, Oh, this is the year you guys don't have to cut anybody. Really? We're going to give you a monstrous practice squad. You can put anybody you want on there. They, they, because of COVID itself, they, they allowed teams to keep a ton of extra guys in the building, right? Mm-hmm. And then they kind of reinstituted it coming out of 2020 into 2021. Every year that we haven't had those COVID-fueled rules, Brandon Bean has made a trade in late August. Every single year that he has been the Bills GM. Reggie Ragland, back in 2017, you remember him? How excited I was when we picked him? A.J. McCarron, okay, found a way to get a fifth-round pick for him. And he seems to settle in on that fifth, sixth-pick-round range. Never a seventh. Always a 5th or a 6th. He got a 4th for Reggie Ragland, trading him to Kansas City. And it pisses me off that he won a ring there. Wyatt Teller was worth two picks. A 5th and a 6th round pick. Now how smart do the Browns look like for making that trade?
1: I have no idea. You know
2: Wyatt Teller's a pro bowler, right?
1: Yeah. a guard?
2: Something that the Bills just spent $8 million on with Roger Saffold? Yeah, it's, it's a mm. thing. People have talked about it. Russ Bodine... Daryl Johnson, Cody Ford, you found a way to spin Cody Ford into a fifth-round pick. This is something that he's been able to do every single season where he has a guy, he identifies value, and he says, look, I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to cut this guy. I will get something from someone for him. And he's been very good at that over the years. So now, when you look at this and you think about it in terms of this year's Buffalo Bills team, you're tied up against the salary cap. You're going to need space. Chris, if you want to go ahead and put that chart up there in front of me. So I'm looking at spotrack.com, and I'm looking at your salary cap chart. Now, Joe B., in his article, and I, for those of you who want to go read it, I'm not going to spoil it. Go read his 10 candidates and some of the logic he's applying to these. There's a real ballsy one in there that I... Chris, I almost don't want to spoil his article, but I feel like for the purposes of conversation, I might. I won't give you his reasoning. I'll give you mine. But... um. It's an interesting concept to talk about. So when you think about the moves we've made this offseason, you, you know, like I, go, I always use Our Lads to look at the Bills roster. So when you look at the Buffalo Bills roster on OurLads.com, if you want to pull it up in a separate window for me, just so I have all my ducks in a row here and I can just talk to you guys. I'll, you think about the Floyd signing as where this, this gets the gears turning, because you go, well, now what happens in our defensive end room? We have a lot of depth. When Von Von Miller will inevitably come back, what does our projected rotation look like? Now, obviously, at the beginning of the year, they're probably going to carry an extra body. So maybe this isn't a trade that happens right away. But at the same time, they've got too many defensive ends and a little too much value to just let them walk for nothing. Would you agree with me there? Yeah. Okay. You look at the depth on this team. Shaq Lawson probably doesn't have a trade market. Look how long he was on the free agent market for, and teams really weren't giving him a sniff to the point where Chris, what's his cap hit? If you flip over to uh, Spotrack for me, which player? Shaq Lawson. Ooh. So the idea is that no one was really banging down the door for Shaq Lawson, which is why after indicating that he wanted to get paid, he took he came back here basically for a song. Right there, 1.165. 1.165, 452 and a half fully guaranteed. Like, that's that's peanuts for a, a guy who started multiple games for you last year at defensive end. Um, so he's probably not someone you could picture them being able to spin in a trade. Because teams had a chance at him for free. Why would they give up capital? But then you look down the thing and you say, okay, well, Shaq's going to be here. Rousseau's going to be here. Miller's going to be on the roster, although he'll be on our for a while. But you've got Floyd. You get into this weird place where you go, how many defensive ends are we really going to keep on this roster? Right? There's AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham, and then some guys. Some guys that just exist out there. But if you keep five, what do you do? Like, are you keeping five defensive ends?
1: Mm, I don't know. I know we we like to keep ten offensive linemen.
2: They do like to go offensive line heavy, usually because they incur a lot of injuries there. What I like to do is, and this is why I like our lads, it gives you a calendar, a rolling calendar, so I can go back to any month of the NFL season, going all the way back to the 90s, and it'll show me what the roster looked like at that point. So if I go back to October 1st, 2022, and what our roster looked like, we had f- we had five defensive ends on the roster. Five. So it's conceivable that maybe out of camp you don't trade a guy because you're still waiting for you know, you've got Von Miller on IR. He's going to sit there until pr- hopefully, like what, the middle of October.
1: You'd hope so. You'd hope that you can, even though he says he's ready. Of course of course he says that he also
2: said odell beckham jr was coming here um he said a lot of things uh, he said he was going to be back in four weeks when he hurt his knee like i think we need to just let him talk because <laughs> i think he believes he's one of those people like a gary Vee who thinks you can just speak things into existence yeah losers can't do that guys my teeth are amazing if i just say it enough <laughs> So now you're looking at this, going Boogie Basham. Like that, that was the thing we talked about it last week in the Floyd conversation. This idea that Boogie Basham, Boogie Basham is probably fighting for his roster spot with uh, AJ Epinesa. Of the two of them, though, which one do you think has more value? Just at face value, Chris, as the lay fan, who are who you say? AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham? God. If you had to weigh him apples to apples, who do you think has more value?
1: 12-pack of Bud Light?
2: It's made with rice. It's undrinkable. So the funny thing is, is that it's weird, right? You'd have to find team and fit, but then the question is, do teams view A.J. Epines' six sacks last year that kind of came out of nowhere as a fluke? Did he? Is it one of those, like, uh, the, did he drew Stafford everybody? He could have. Or do you look at a guy like Boogie Basham and go, he's just not in the right system because he's kind of a tweener, right? Like, I think Chris Sims really panned the draft pick of Boogie Basham. And so far, everything he said he was concerned about with Basham is correct. He He's not an explosive athlete. He's not quick twitch, but he's also not the biggest guy or longest or most physical. So the question becomes, what do you do well? You're kind of a jack-of-all-trades master and none if you're going to be a 4-3 defensive end. Now, maybe there's another system, another 3-4 team that thinks that they can find a different use for him, kick him inside more often, make him a 5-tech. I don't know. There's a lot of questions there, but he, you know what he is? is He still has two years of contract term left before you even have to think about signing him. So a team with questionable depth at a position, maybe catches an injury or two, Basham could have more value than Epinesa on the trade market. I could see that. I think that the two of them are playing for their lives. I think one of them, even with Von Miller being on the IR, the second that it looks like he's ready to come back, one of them either at the end of August or mid season could be moved. Could be. Just, just just because. They're not gonna what? Cut him and put him on the practice squad. Some team will claim him. Yes. Why not get rid of him for something? Well, you can. You know what I mean?
1: See if we can trade him to Kansas City for uh, what's his face? Who? The uh, the center. To,
2: the, oh, whiskey. yeah. Yeah. See if we can just trade him for uh, what's it. Yeah. Fucking like. Why, why am I blanking on
1: this? Whiskey. I know. Google. You guys are yelling at, uh, at the Creed, name. Cre- Creed, Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey. There we go.
2: Yeah, maybe we could find a way to trade him straight up. Hey, stranger things have happened. The Bills did trade. Uh, uh, what's his face? Kelvin Shepard straight up for Jerry Hughes. For Jerry Hughes.
1: It stranger can happen. Stranger things
2: have happened. <coughs> then you look at other places on the roster where we've made moves. The fact that Brandon Bean was able to get a steal of a value on Osiris Torrance in the draft. That's not good for Ryan Bates. It's not. It's also not good that he was able to get depth depth value for, like, I think, what's the cap hit on David Edwards there, if you want to look that up for me real quick? David Edwards? David Edwards, guy that really no one's talking about at all, probably for good, I don't know, is it for good reason? You look at David Edwards' career, so he starts as a rookie in 2019, and he's average. He's what you would expect. He only gives up one sack, but he only plays, like, half the season. Then you go back in 2020, he's now a full-time starter on the interior offensive line. He's not an athletic guy, but he's big. He's 6'6", 308. He's a big hoss. They realize you you were an offensive tackle in college, but you have to be a guard because your RAS score is like 4.5. You're just not good with your feet. We can't trust you out on an edge. You'll get run around. So we're going to move you inside to guard where your size alone makes you imposing Proceeds to put up pretty decent metrics in terms of sacks allowed, pressures allowed, what have you. 2021, the year the Rams win the Super Bowl, he plays the most snaps of his entire career. He has the best pass block rating he's had, although he did give up multiple sacks in a game where they were basically just playing backups. So he was he kind of got kitchen synced. They're like, hey, we're going to replace that tackle next to you and a couple other guys with backups. Just try to hold down the fort. Um, and then let up a bunch of pressures by virtue of the fact that they went all the way to the Super Bowl. Like that's, so you've got a guy who has proven he can play at a decent level in the NFL and he's only making a million dollars for you. You like Bates as an interior offensive lineman, but you also, he's your backup center, which obviously gives him value. So right there, people are listening to this going, there's no way they would trade Ryan Bates. The question is, is that if somebody else emerges as someone that they go, we can we can kind of live with this, right? Like, if you look at this, they have a Greg Manns on the roster. They've got an Ike Botker on the roster. They've got a David Edwards on the roster. They've got backups galore. Tommy Doyle. They have depth on the offensive line that, while it might not be stellar, the depth that they've gotten to is like, hey, you're going to have a mediocre offensive line, but it's not going to be one of those things where an injury stops you, takes you from mediocre to terrible. You're just going to stay mediocre. Chris, can you live
1: with that? Yeah, with I that, can.
2: With that in mind, if Osiris Torrance wins that starting job and now you're looking at it going, Ryan Bates, he's back here. What's his cap hit? You want to grab that for me? Ryan Bates is now a relegated to a backup and some team who either suffers a, you know, like, Six and a half. Six and a half million dollars. Four point eight in cap space. Some team who runs into problems like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did last year, where they lost their starter early in camp. Then their backup went down. And then early in the season, their backups backup went down for and was kind of ailing. And now they're playing a fourth stringer who they just signed not that long ago. It's like holy shit. That's terrible. Some team who thinks that they can be relatively good and wants a little bit of depth or who has an injury to a starter, maybe they look at Ryan Bates and they go, "Hmm, I could use an athletic interior offensive lineman. With the Bills knowing that, hey, we've got a David Edwards in-house who Aaron Cromer very much likes. It's the reason he's here. I don't know. I don't know, Chris. If some team came to you and said, hey, I've got a big need, I'll give you a fourth. I'll give you a fourth-round draft pick, a round that Brandon Bean has done pretty well in. Sign me up. To free up $4.8 million in this year's cap space. Because you know Bean likes to have the flexibility to bring in street free agents and promote guys out the practice squad and tinker with the roster as the season goes. Yes. There's a lot of stuff here. And, And again, that's all brought on by the fact that he disrupted that room by landing Osiris Torrance. That's it. You threw a wrench into things and it changed the model and the projection of you. you, when you agree to pay these guys. And then in the middle of the contract, you go, oh, but what if we could save some money (laughs) and also just stay the same, save money, but stay the same. Why wouldn't we do that?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Some of the other names, right? Like as you go through Joe's article, our guys that make sense. Like there's he'll, he'll talk. He talks about some of the defensive tackles, which I'll, I'll agree is kind of a it's kind of a quagmire, and it's not hard to figure out which one of the defensive tackles he paints as like being on the outside looking in. Chris, if you had to throw a dart and guess which one of our defensive tackles it is, go ahead. Pull, you you yourself go look at that our lads depth chart, and just look at the defensive tackles and tell me who do you think
1: fits that to guy, get to get traded a guy who
2: maybe has some value but also seems to probably be on the outside looking in once
1: everyone's healthy jesus i'm i don't know tim settle doesn't uh doesn't stand out to you at all Could i don't remember his name last year yeah
2: because you didn't watch him make many plays tim settle came here and we were all really excited about his upside as a three tech well, the problem is you just gave Ed Oliver a fat contract. He's here. He's going to be your guy. Jordan Phillips signed a took a pay cut to stay here, and I think we've talked about it. We beat that horse. That sometimes we wish Ed Oliver played like Jordan Phillips, reckless. That's why he's always hurt. Is because he's just a wild man. He plays like his hair's on fire. And at that way, and we went out and signed, and were able to land in free agency. Like because Tim Settle last year was Daquan Jones's backup. He was our one tech a lot of the time, and it didn't go well. He was miscast in that when he was asked to spell him, let Daquan Jones get a breather. Now they've got Puna Ford. Puna Ford and Daquan Jones are a great one-two punch at one tech. They don't need a, a third one. And if they did, they've got Eli Anku, who's going to sit on the practice squad and cost them nothing if they have to call somebody up. Tim Settle, what's his cap it there, Chris, if you want to flip over to that for me real quick?
1: Five million, a little over five million.
2: Four point. Well, the the cap hits are the ones in the gray boxes.
1: Oh, other well, than dead cap.
2: Yep. So his cap hit, right? Like you, if you could find a way to offload that contract, would you take a sixth round pick from a team that's kind of thin? Maybe realizes in training camp we brought in a bunch of rookies and, well. They're not progressing through camp the way we thought they would, and we might need a little more of a veteran presence. We don't want to stifle their growth, but we do want to try and augment the room with a little bit more experience. There's probably a team out there, like when we talked about the guys who were going to sign D-Hop. Yeah. These teams with gobs of cap space left that are going to be bad football teams they're mostly young, and they're going young in a lot of positions. So if they're young at defensive tackle, it makes sense that they might have an interest in saying listen, we'll burn $4 million of this year's money. We don't give a fuck. Because it'll at least get our rookies over the hump, and it'll get us as a football team over the hump. It won't get our linebackers killed as much as it might otherwise. I could see a world where Tim Settle is one of those players who now, because we were able to sign Puna Ford for a song, is now his future's in doubt. I could see that depending on how camp shakes out and how injuries go. There's also this, this idea, and it might be probably the one, like, running back, Chris, no one cares about them, right? No. Okay. But there's this idea. Because running back, who you're not trading James Cook. He's in, he's in the second year of his rookie contract. You just signed Damian Harris to what, a one year deal? I believe. Yeah. One or two year contract for not a ton of
1: money. But you're going to sign Delvin Cook. <laughs>
2: I like how Delvin Cook came out and was like, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for somebody to decide that they, w- I want somebody who wants Delvin Cook. You know who he sounds like? He sounded like Leon from those Budweiser commercials all those years ago where he's just like, "Dalvin Cook needs to be wanted. Well, you've been... It's been a week. It's been a week, and I don't even think you've traveled. I don't even think there's any teams actively like bringing you in for visits. Chris, what's the market for a high-priced running back now that we're at this stage of the offseason?
1: I don't know. if you I feel like if you're a running back, your only options are to sign with the team. If you want your bag, your only options are to sign with a team that have a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie deal.
2: I mean, I'm looking at the teams that could still probably give him the bag that he keeps talking about. Like, I need a team that's going to let me come in and be. First of all, he's talking about a team that wants to let him come in and be the workhorse. I'd say the Chicago Bears, but they just spent how much money on uh, what's his face? Montgomery? Uh, no. Uh, what's the guy from? Um, the Lions,
1: from the, from guy the that, Lions. The guy that cried.
2: Yeah. The guy that cried. I like how that's what you remember him as.
1: Yeah, and then they they spent a draft pick on, uh, was it Roshan Johnson from Texas? So you guys aren't bringing
2: in another star running back at this point. You're not. You already made your room. The Cowboys, maybe, but didn't they let Zeke walk? Because they were like, well, we don't want to be paying a running back all that money. Correct. (laughs) When we have a franchise quarterback who we think can throw us into the Super Bowl. Um, Allegedly. It's not going to be Detroit. They just drafted a running back in the top ten. It's not going to be Indy because they already have a bell cow running back when he's healthy. It's not going to be Arizona because Arizona's already proven they don't give a fuck about this season. Unless maybe you do one of those things where you say listen, here's money. Here's money, but also what's his contract? Like what does his contract look like like at that age for a running back?
1: For Calvin Cook, yeah. I'll, I'll look it up.
2: Can you give a huge contract to an aging running back? Like the Jets could do it, but that takes Brees Hall off the field. Like, I don't know. I, I really don't have a good answer for this. Where the fuck does that guy go? And so in turn, any team that's looking to try to trade a running back. It's like, I, I don't know what that looks like. Hines maybe has the most trade value of any running back on the roster.
1: What is he at? A million bucks?
2: Yeah. It doesn't save you a ton of money. I don't think. Why don't you look at his cap numbers for me real quick? It doesn't say getting Heinz, uh, what, 3.5. Okay, so you make a little bit of a cash. That's more than I thought, actually. You get a little bit of cash, but I think his dead money almost makes it. That's why you'd have to trade him. You can't cut him. You'd have to trade him and find a way to get that off your books. But then also, like, I just think about this in terms of. Yeah, Chris, I don't think they're going to give it to you. I don't think they've mocked it up yet.
1: Well, um, it's loading. Okay. Well, it's well it sinks spoke about. Spoke track or the internet's being dumb. So
2: what I know is this. All of the teams that have the money to pay Delvin Cook like he wants to be paid, he's a talent. He's at $8.7 on a two-year deal. The teams that could afford that, the Browns, that's hat on a hat. The Viking, I know Ryan Lace loves it when I say that. Um, the, the Packers, No. The Bengals? No. They decided not to cut Greg, Joe Mixon. The Steelers? No. You just <laughs> The New Orleans Saints? No. <laughs> Maybe the Rams. I, I what are we doing here? The Dolphins. Chris is is it the Dolphins? Is that Gotta be to the sense? Dolphins. But also, I'd prefer with that shitty offensive line to have Delvin Cook playing for the Dolphins. I'd prefer to see that because that means Tyreek Hill is not getting more targets. That means Jalen Waddle is not getting more targets. Yeah, Instead, there's only one ball. There's only one ball. And if you're going to take it out of those guys' hands and give it to Delvin Cook with a bad offensive line, win. Win. Profit. I would take that. I would rather play that version of the the Miami Dolphins. I really would. Ugh oh, God. So with that in mind, running back value right now, I think this is the lowest at any point in the season, and I don't know what that means. Like the Bills don't have anyone who's worth acquiring if you're another football team, right? Like that's it. Hines. He's the only one. And even that's not probably not worth much. Here's the interesting one, and kind of the the, the crown jewel of Joe's article, and I'm going to let you guys hear his rationale on this, because I kind of balked at it. Kyir Elam.
1: I saw an article about him potentially being traded.
2: It's probably because someone cribbed off of his article and just was like, oh, hey, kind of like what we're doing with this podcast. Except I think I'm adding a little more nuance than he did is this idea that Kyer Elam, right? Now, first of all, how bad does it look if you trade a first round pick from last year?
1: Pretty bad.
2: Also, who has more perceived value than a first round pick from last year?
1: Not many players.
2: No one. Because every coach is going to look at that and go, fuck, there were way worse cornerbacks taken in the second round last year. I'd give a third. I mean, the salary's already been negotiated. His contract is what it is. It's cost-controlled for multiple years. If you looked at your cornerback room, and I would have I said that this is nonsense, except you look at the makeup of the room now. You gave Dane Jackson a fully guaranteed contract. He's not getting cut. At least I don't think so. We said that about O.J. Howard, so maybe. But Dane Jackson seems to be a guy that they like. They liked him even when he was getting abused last year. I think the coach likes him. I think the GM likes him. I think the cost is correct. His cap hits correct. So with that in mind, there's not a whole lot of meat on the bone for getting rid of Dane Jackson. So if he's there, and you're talking about a coaching staff that deferred to him often last year. Okay, so Trey White. Now you've got your starting boundary corners. Christian Benford is a guy who beat Kyrie Elam out for a starting gig last year. His size, his aggressiveness, the speed that he plays the game at, they like a lot of what he does. If you want to go and look at it and just in terms of defensive grades, and I look at coverage grades, and I try to compare the two, like, there's an argument to be made that they're kind of the same type of player, right? Like, when you go down the list, Kyrie Elam has a, has a better coverage grade. Like, Benford had some rough outings. But he's a sixth round pick. You almost expect that, right, Chris? Yep. Elam had some great games. He also missed big chunks of the season just by being inactive. <laughs> like, how the fuck are you as a first round pick inactive? If anything, that almost tells me that maybe the staff's just not happy with some of the things he's doing. Not even involving the like the actual on field stuff. Meetings. But just in- are you on time? Are you not just on time? But are you on time? Do you prepare in a way that they believe you should be? And I think Sean McDermott actually was caught in a moment during an interview when he was asked about Kyrie Lim. And he said, you know, he had some struggles in his rookie year. I think it was probably at the end of season pressers when they were talking about that. And he said that, you know, down the stretch he earned some more of the trust, but that he's still growing as a professional. When you hear growing as a professional in a sport, that's usually not good, right?
1: No. I would, I would think uh, it has something to do with meetings, meetings being prepared,
2: or just maybe his ability to digest the playbook. As a man cover corner, going to a system that plays a lot of zone. What did
1: they love at the draft? Hmm? What did they love at the draft about him, or really at the combine? His preparation. Yeah, that notebook. They thought the preparation was going to be
2: outstanding, and maybe they bought into that a little too heavily. I don't know. What I know is you have a first-round pick who was inactive in favor of a sixth-round pick multiple times, health notwithstanding. That's not a good look. So if you were looking for a way to really maximize your return and clear a couple million in cap space to give you room, Kyrie is not a bad way to do it if you really do not think that Kyrie is a long-term solution for your football team. Because his value is never going to be higher than it will be at the end of August never right true next year you're going to go into a season where you don't have the outside cornerback depth you know and again the fact that they were able to retain uh, Dane Jackson the fact that they brought in Dansler i mean Dansler's not great statistically speaking are you Chris Cam Dansler i believe was signed in fact this will tell me Cameron Dansler He was drafted, I want to say, in the second round.
1: Third round.
2: Third round in 2020. So he's been in the NFL for two seasons, and they decided to move on. That tells you that he's probably not great, right? At the same time, it's about value. If you have a guy who can play outside corner for you, who was a third-round pick that you got for nothing that allows you to spin a first-round pick to recoup another third, and it only costs you a million dollars transactionally. Do you not think that Brandon Bean hasn't thought about it, at least?
1: Oh, I bet. Like He if- likes saving money.
2: Dantzler, I want to look at his PFF. I just want to see it. I don't care about the actual fucking grades. I just want to see, in terms of
1: defense, here we go. Well, Where he, co- he came from Minnesota? Yeah. Oh, man, their defense was awesome last year.
2: Their defense was atrocious, but he's got some really good. He's got some bad games with some really, really good games. And I don't know. I mean, his reception percentage against was pretty high, but it depends on how they're using him. What were you asking him to play man? Remember when they said that that was one of the biggest problems with the the defense of the Vikings last year? Was that they're like we don't have the athletes to play this kind of a system, but they don't give a fuck. They're just doing it.
0: (laughs) They're
3: just doing
2: it anyway. So maybe a change of scenery, if that guy shows up and Brandon Bean goes, you mean to tell me I can get a top 90 pick for a guy who probably isn't going to be a long-term solution for our team anyway, and helps us out of a cash crunch now, I think that he would have to consider it, at least. And it's interesting to see how all of these contracts and all of these moves and these things that Bean has been able to achieve has Because Kyrie Elam, you go, that's a first-round pick. I'm going to have him on my team for four years. You think you know what he is. Just like the New York Times thought that they knew what they were getting in the athletic. Just like Leafs fans in Canada, who can all kick rocks, by the way, uh, thought that they knew what they had in a, hey, this is what I'm going to
1: do with my lunch break. I'm just going to turn on the radio, and there's that show. Or if you're in Edmonton, hey, I'm going to listen to this whole sports station. Nope.
2: And then a couple people made a couple bad choices or a couple people made some really smart moves and all of a sudden it disrupted your personal market. (laughs) Now you find yourself, there's there's a ripple effect. You find yourself in trouble. I feel like there are some players who are going to enter training camp that we never would have talked about being on the bubble or being in danger of being traded. And now you have to have those conversations because you know who your GM is. You know the fact that he loves this, and he clearly knows how to work the phones and find a buyer for whatever it is he's willing to sell. I just, I really do believe, Chris, Seagram's bet. We see at least one trade this year. It's probably not a hard one, right?
1: Yeah. I will take that bet. Okay. On
2: principle. On principle, you'll take it. Now, I'll add a sweetener in there. It, it has to be the pina colada-flavored seagrams, which is the worst. I think everybody knows pina colada anything sucks. And if any of you out there have anything to say different, I'll fight you in an alley. Like, I, pina colada, everything is garbage. Pineapples are great. Anything artificially pineapple-flavored? Like Who's putting that swill in their mouth? Of course, when's the last time you had a pina colada?
1: I don't think I've had a true pina colada ever.
2: I don't think so either. I've just had the f- I've had things flavored like it. And those are terrible. All of them. Pineapple's great if you grill it and you put a little cinnamon and brown sugar on it. Otherwise. You keep it away from me and you sure as hell keep it off pizza or else I will snap. Chris, I once uh, got hammered. Um, I was in college. D- obviously hammered. Uh, house party. Sheet pizza gets dropped off. It's wintertime. Guys order from the local pizzeria around the corner. It's probably around dinner time. We've been day drinking pizza shows up and there's pineapple and ham on it. I walked home. I immediately left. I cost everyone out and left.
1: Yeah, you don't put pineapple on a pizza It doesn't belong there.
2: And everyone's like, where the hell did Drew go? They're like, oh, no, he was yelling a bunch of gibberish and stormed out the door into that snowstorm. (laughs) On principle, I can't be in the same room with it. I just feel like there's something here. They've made enough moves to pad certain position groups that if they want to trim a little bit of fat, this guy has proven he's capable of pulling the trigger. There's things there to be made. Out of all those guys, Chris, who do you think is the most likely? To get traded? Yeah. If you had to, if you had to trade one of the guys we just talked about, Bates, I, I could see that, right? Like I could see a world, and everyone's gonna go fuck He was a stud. You better pray if, you, if you're a, if you went out and bought a Bates jersey, you better pray that Torrance doesn't pan out when camp rolls around. Because if he steals that job, all of a sudden this conversation becomes much more interesting. For me, I like this Kyrie Elam conversation. Just be, if only because it gives you the highest rate of return without hurting you. Because cornerback has been one of those things where even when we were absorbing defensive back injuries last year, our, our team still did okay. I mean, what did we win? 13 games? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Our secondary was all beat up and we still won 13 games? Okay. 12, 13, fuck you guys. I think that that's an interesting conversation to have if Christian Benford truly does continue to look like he's performing or in the coaching staff size is deserving of a larger role than Kyrie them. I think that it's a fun conversation that we're unfortunately going to have to wait until the late August to have. Guys, what do you think? At Rock Powell Report on Twitter, let us know what player do you think is most on the bubble? we'll pick one if you make a well-reasoned argument we'll pick one we'll send you some Q42 product um i chris we we need real football back i know so just stop having all these fucking hypothetical conversations cuz they really do kill me yeah guys this has been great I enjoy doing this just because I know it's me talking to you guys about a football related topic that we can all kind of postulate about. And, you know, it's, it gives you if nothing else, it's bar fodder. Something for you to go talk about with your friends like I do. But for tonight, we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rockpile Report.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in.